And we back. Hey, hey, huh, hey, huh, hey, huh, hey, huh, hey, huh, okay, huh, hey, huh. So let's jump back in it. I haven't reached out in a minute. Tell me what's good, how you feeling? We about to make a million. No, I ain't forget about the rollies. All my homies getting a percentage. Let's go, let's get it. We ain't got a Hey, what's up, Joey? What's up, Ryan? We're back again another Thursday night. Just got back from a little Tasty Burger action, so we are ready to go. And we got a lot of football here today, a little bit of MLB as free agency is getting underway. But we will start it off with some big basketball news because, Ryan, it's your guy, Russell Westbrook. And rumor has it he wants out of Houston. Some potential suitors have already popped up on the rumor mill. Where do you think Russ ends up at this point? At this point, where do I think he'll end up? I think he'll probably end up in Charlotte. That's not where I want him to end up. Where do you want him to end up? The Let's Knicks. Do both. Okay. I want him to go to the Knicks. Um, I don't know why I want him to go to the Knicks. I don't really have a good explanation for him to go to the Knicks. I was just thinking of a team that would actually take on like Russell Westbrook's contract and who's dumb enough to actually take it on. So I see the Knicks, but... We all saw the Hornets report yesterday, or was it this morning? This morning, I think. Yeah, they probably have the best reason to pick him up because they have the best package for the Rockets. But what do you what do you think, Joey? I'm kind of up in the air on this right now. I just want him out of Houston. Well, I'm super intrigued to see what the package is for him because I think the Knicks could put together a better package for him. It's just a matter of are you really going to give up your number three pick last year, R.J. Barrett, for Westbrook at this point? And I don't think you are. You're probably... No taking the lottery ticket on Kevin Knox and maybe what do they have the eighth pick even that seems like a pretty big piece to throw in for Russ which sounds crazy but I think your best bet if you're the Rockets is to get a few just lottery tickets and that's guys like Knox who are young and have a lot of potential but maybe haven't panned out quite the way we hope they would until this point right but I don't think the Hornets are, are forking over I mean they don't have, really have any blue chip guys I guess that you'd want to hold on to and it's maybe even stretched to call any of those guys on the Knicks blue chip guys either but right. I think that the the package anyone can really put together a package for Westbrook I think at this point it's just a matter of who wants him because we know at this point you, you pretty much have to build all the way around him and that's what we've talked about in prior episodes but the only way that he really even came close to his success in OKC last year in Houston was when they traded away their, their center and they went with a no center look that one of the more radical ideas we've seen in the NBA. Well you don't need to, you don't need to do that. That was just like a James Harden, Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, but, but Mike D'Antoni center. Like, yeah, you he don't can, have to he do can that. still play with a center. Like he yeah, played with Steven absolutely. Adams his whole career. You know what I mean? Which is a very normal center that he's played with before. But you definitely have to adjust. And oh you yeah, can't just plug it like the Clippers one, we've talked about it off air, but that one makes no sense to me because what the Clippers need, in my opinion, and I like the CP3 stuff a little bit. I, I can talk myself into that one a little bit more, but I don't think they need anyone like Westbrook at all. I think ideally, we, we talked about, I think the Rondo fit is great for him in, with the Clippers. I think you need a guy to come in and just run the offense because you have two star scorers in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You don't necessarily need a guy to dominate the ball at point guard so much as you need a guy who can actually run the offense because last year they were relying on Patrick Beverly to do that, and we know that that's not his play style. So I, I think that Westbrook to the Clippers isn't great. And then are there any other contending teams that really would make any sense to pursue him? The Bucks, no. <laughs> like Westbrook but, and Giannis on the same team is well, a disaster. Just, Miami, de- I don't know. It just depends on how much these teams have to give up. Because I, I kind of want to go back to the Knicks because I don't think he can go to a contender. Like I don't think he's going to go to the Clippers. I think if Russ gets traded, I think he's going to a Hornets or Knicks team. You know, a what team I mean? who's dying to be the seven seed for the next couple of years before exactly. rebuilding again. Well, I mean, the Knicks have what you said. Yeah, they're the eighth pick this year. And it's like, who are you really going to go with the eighth pick? But are you going to give it up for Westbrook? Because you, well. you can at least I get mean, a... they're, they're not good at drafting players, as we've seen. Sure, but you can at least get a 19-year-old who hasn't played in the NBA yet and, and take a shot. And that's, I think, what they need. And, again, I, I, I see your point, and I'd say first step has to be fix your scouting department, fix your player development staff, so you can get better guys in there. And once you have them in there, you can actually develop them to the point where they can be solid contributors in the league. But... Looking past that, I think that they need to play the long game, and it's what people have said year after year with the Knicks, and sure, they made a few splashes uh, along the way, and maybe they've had a few decent years, but 
for the past 20 years, for pretty much our lifetime, it's been, you know, yeah, you get Mello. Okay, Mello's great for a few years. Oh, you have Mello and Amari, so you're the two seed. But are you really beating the Heat at that time? It's just the Knicks have to play the long game here. And if you add Westbrook, like I said, I think you're probably at best a five seed, maybe. Yeah. Um, especially as the East is looking better than it has pretty much in our lifetime. But so That's why I think he's going to go to the Knicks. It's because they're not going to play the long game. The Knicks are a sorry franchise. They never do anything right. They hire coaches, and they say, oh, for example, David Fisdale. They hire him, oh, we're in for the long game. He's going to be with us to um, develop players, do this and that. And they fire him like a year into the job. The Knicks are not going to play the long game. So I think even though it's a... Bad idea for the Knicks. I think Russell Westbrook most likely is going to go to the Knicks. Here's the thing, though, with the Knicks, for me, Madison Square Garden is going to sell out every game regardless. Charlotte is not in that same position. Charlotte relied on Kemba for a long time to Mm -hmm. be that guy, and Westbrook is, without a doubt, way more talented than Kemba. Kemba's a great player, but come on, Westbrook is an MVP. So I think... I think it makes way more sense for the Hornets by that same logic to make mm-hmm. a move like that because they could really use it. I don't think that they can endure a, a five to six year long rebuild because at this point, like we said, who's who's their building block going forward? Is it really Devonte Graham? Like, is that Malik really the Monk, guy that you're Miles Bridges? Yeah, like none of those guys. They're all maybe good, you know, fourth or fifth options on a pretty solid team, but no one even close to a first right. option. So. I think they could benefit at least just from the perspective of keeping your franchise alive. And I guess you have Jordan with you know pockets full of money, so you're never going to run out of money necessarily. But if you want to stay relevant, you're in a pretty small market. You're com- not really competing all that much. You haven't, you don't have a great franchise history at all. Mm-hmm. Getting a guy in there in Westbrook puts fans in seats immediately, and I think that means a lot more to a team like Charlotte than it does to the Knicks. Yeah, I actually totally agree. I didn't think about the fact that the Knicks don't need Russ because. They even though they might still do it, they just they still sell out tickets. I even think about that. They still make their money. They're not really an issue of selling out seats. So I think it'd be a good move for the Hornets to get him to make them relevant again. Because the only reason we ever talked about the Hornets for the past like six years, because Kemba Walker was there putting up ridiculous numbers as a five ten point guard. So I think if you get someone like Russ in there, I don't know, finish out maybe not maybe finish out his career there. Give him his money, maybe help him sign two more years because no one else is probably going to want him when he gets older. So I think the Hornets would be a good move. I think it's between Hornets and Knicks. I don't think he's going to go to the Clippers. I think it would be cool if he went to the Clippers, but I don't think that's a realistic thing. Yeah, and like, I think it's just Clipper. It's just Hornets and Knicks for you, right? Yeah. Well, I think I think to stay with that for a second, I think what he needs is something to fire him up, and I think the Hornets with. Jordan as the owner, it's oh yeah, here, here we go on the, on the next Jordan. You know, he'll yes, talk, sir. you know he'll talk himself into that. Yeah, he's signed by Jordan. Yeah, signed by Jordan. <laughs> okay, so so he's the next Jordan. No, I'm not. He's, not right, the okay. next Jordan. he's got that but, same dog mentality. But, okay. Jordan's favorite player. It's Kobe's favorite player. But then the Knicks as well. I mean, playing in New York, I'm sure he could hype himself up for that. But another one that I really think is possible that I think he is dreading the possibility of is Detroit. Oh, I didn't even want to talk about that. <laughs> I, I think, though, Blake Griffin, if the Rockets are really trying to win right now, that's their best option. Westbrook for Blake Griffin and maybe the Pistons have to throw in a little extra because Griffin's coming off of a, a serious injury last year. But I think you get Griffin in there, that's close to like the ideal fit for a big man oh. next to James Harden. So if that's really what they're prioritizing, and we, that's a whole separate debate if that should be what they're prioritizing, but if they really still want to compete and build around James Harden, mm-hmm. out of the three teams that we just said at least, the Pistons have by far the best offer, in my opinion. At least the highest upside. Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't... But if you're Russ... I, I didn't even want to talk... Yeah. yeah, if you're Russ, like, he does not... Like, who wants to go to Detroit? Well, talk about putting uh, fans in seats. I think Detroit... Is up there with Charlotte for like worst lowest attendance in the um, NBA. Sure, because Detroit just moved into a new stadium. But at least a great history for them. That's what I'd say. Yeah, versus two rings Charlotte. and they yeah three three of them. Oh, they do have three. So. I forgot about two thousand what four. Yeah, yeah two thousand four. Yeah, well, Detroit does have a good history. It makes more sense. Blake Griffin and James Harden would be pretty fun. I know Blake Griffin. Ever since he left the Clippers, no one has said a word about him. But he was great that uh, one only one full year in Detroit. Is that right? With Andre Drummond. Yeah. The one full year, and even the when he got traded wow, there, what mid-season. Derrick Rose, 
Yeah. <laughs> what happens to Christian Wood? What, what do the Pistons do with their building blocks? Russell now? Westbrook and Derrick Rose, the one and two. That's so much three-point shooting right there. That would actually kind of be insane if there were a the starting backcourt. The two most backboard. athletic. That would be kind of funny. Two most athletic. Point guards. Se- seven, history. eight years ago? Of, in NBA history. Uh, at their peaks, sure. Yeah. At their respective peaks. Yeah, exactly. Russell... Not there anymore. D Rose. I mean, we know we all. Uh, know Russ, the story Russ there. still catches a body here and there. He still yeah, he still jumps there. over people. Also got a body caught. But we'll, no, I, that was we'll a charge. Save, we'll save the Westbrook. Talk oh, for a happy, bit happy later. birthday to Russell Westbrook! Oh, yeah, I know you're listening birthday. to this. Happy thirty third, maybe thirty second. He's getting kind of old. I think it's thirty second. Thirty second, Russ. You're getting kind of old, but still love you. At Russ West forty four. Follow me on Instagram. Well, my Instagram you, is Randerson. Yeah, you, I just, you just added said Russ. his Instagram. Yeah, okay. happy birthday, Russell Westbrook. All well, that, love, all love from the draw. Well, that's it for the NBA for now. Talking about Westbrook, we we could talk about Westbrook all day on this show. Yeah, um, I can. But now we'll move into the NFL because obviously that is the the biggest sport in season right now. And Ryan, a storyline that came out in the past couple of days: Lamar Jackson talking about the Ravens' offense. We all know how electric it was last year on the way to his MVP season, but this year he's in the bottom five in passing yards, and the offense is, I believe, ranked 16th in the NFL right now. So. He now said that opponents are calling out their plays when they get to the line. He'll call out certain audibles, and they'll know that it's a you know a run to either side or play action or whatnot. So the Ravens now are pretty predictable because they're pretty much using the same script they were last year. They couldn't get over the hump last year. So Ryan, do you think that as predictable as they are, are they legitimate Super Bowl contenders this year? No, and it's sad to say, but I, I'd honestly put the Steelers ahead of the Ravens right now, and that's in their own division. I think they are getting very predictable. I think it's Lamar Jackson play action two out of the three plays before you get that fourth down, and maybe you, you throw it on the first down, and if that doesn't work, oh, you know, we can rely on Lamar to pick up a few yards. I think they're getting way too predictable. And Lamar Jackson saying that out loud, as a coach, I would not love to hear that. As a coach, Jim Harbaugh, I mean John Harbaugh, one of the better coaches in the league, one of the better organiza- organizations in the league, and – you have your quarterback coming out and saying we're too predictable. Like that's that's something you got to come back from. Yeah, I think it's interesting because obviously everyone knows the AFC runs through the Chiefs right now, and I think back to when the the Patriots beat the Chiefs and how they did it and how pretty much the only way anyone has done it since uh, Mahomes took over as the starter is by dominating time of possession. Mm-hmm. And I think the Ravens are capable of doing that, which is interesting. And I think that's why the Titans game last year against the Chiefs was obviously got a little out of hand at the end, but for a little bit there, we almost talked ourselves into the Titans beating the Chiefs, which on paper is absurd. So I think the Ravens have the pieces there, and we know what they're capable of from last year, but it's can they actually replicate that success is the question. And I think losing, you lost Marshall Yonda on the offensive line, and I couldn't tell you every offensive lineman in the NFL, but I could definitely tell you Marshall Yonda. So if that tells you anything, it tells you that I he was a pretty good lineman for them, and he's right. a guard and a team that obviously loves to pull their guards a lot as they're running a lot to the outside. So losing him definitely is a loss. Should it drop them from, I think they were the number one offense in the league last year, at least definitely number one rushing, to now middle of the pack, as we said, averaging 3.7 yards per carry as a team. I don't think that alone should do that. So I think they still have it there somewhere, and it's, but it's not a, a recipe that you can just kind of flip. Whereas the Chiefs have that kind of offense where you can have a couple of bad weeks and then one week you can turn it on. I think the Ravens have to build over the rest of the regular season, which isn't an ideal position to be 6-2 and two and have all these question marks around you and looking to get on the same page heading into the playoffs. You'd hope at this point you'd have dialed in, that you know exactly what you want to do, and you can execute it well. Sure, they know what they want to do, but this year they have not executed it nearly as well as they did a year ago. Do you think they can flip that switch, though? Because I, I think I there's don't. enough time. I think it's possible. But that that switch is completely controlled by the quarterback. And I don't, as much of a stud as he is, which he is, and he's a starting quarterback in this league, you can only do so much with Lamar Jackson. You can't toss it down the field. You, he has one or two plays a game where he throws the ball and you go, that's great. But it's always like a like a sigh of relief when he makes those throws. It's not consistent throwing. And I'm not saying he has to be like Patrick Mahomes, but you have to have someone in there that can throw the ball down the field. Because that's what the NFL is. It's, it's built for... Quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Thank yeah, you. I was gonna say Thank Tom you. Brady. But like just players like confident quarterback quarterbacks that can sit in the pockets, wait for the pocket to collapse, maybe look out for a receiver 20, 30 yards on the field. And Lamar Jackson cannot do that. Because as soon as a little bit of pressure coming, he's running and he's gonna have two linebackers waiting to light him up. 
Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he does or doesn't get around him, but it's getting really predictable, Joey. You watch Ravens game, you know what's going to happen. No, it's super predictable, but it was last year too, and I know that they've come up short in the playoffs the past two years, and obviously the year before is even more predictable because Lamar was so limited as a passer mm-hmm. at that time. Last year he definitely made some serious strides, and now this year we're seeing, I don't know if it's regression as much as just kind of a lack of consistency from him, but... I think it's still in there somewhere, which is it's difficult to to bet on it at this point to come back around because, as I said, it's halfway through the season. It's not like we're three or four weeks in now and we go, oh, this doesn't look like quite the same Ravens offense from a year ago. We have a strong enough sample size at this point that it is concerning and it's not something that, like you said, I don't think you can just flip the switch one week and all of a sudden regain that form. And just looking at the running backs, I don't I don't know if it's on the backs or if it's on the line. But you remember last year, it's Mark Ingram's averaging six yards a carry, and Gus Edwards was averaging yeah. six yards a carry, and it, it these was... names just popping up that you're like, who are you? I mean, we, know, we all know Ingram, but pretty much the rest of the guys was, who is this guy? And now he just got 150 yards last week, and now next week this guy got 150 yards, and then it's a different guy the week after. And this year we just haven't heard anything like that from the Ravens. Well, maybe last year was their window. Like, you know, the NFL, it's like one year like the Niners, even though the Niners are like injury prone right now, but last year was like the Bolts, the Ravens year, they took the whole league, by, whole league by surprise. They came out and you don't really see that amount of consistency year in year out with a lot of these NFL teams. And I think the Ravens are a perfect example of that. I think the Ravens came in this year with the same exact stuff going on last year. Teams caught on, teams got used to it, players got used to it. Well, I think the hope was that Lamar would come in, and like we said, nothing, like, he's an NFL starter, and we're not going to yeah. go there, but I think they would hope that he would take the next step as a passer, because that's just naturally what he has to get better at. He can't get a whole lot better as a scrambler at quarterback, so I think they were hoping that he would take that next step, and like I said, to me, it looks like, at best, the same player, but definitely not a better player than last year. The numbers say he's a much worse player than last year, but I don't think he's regressed as much as those numbers would tell you but I think it's very clear that he hasn't improved from last year if any like so that's what they're looking for they're looking to rely on him a little bit more to make those plays when Mm -hmm. the pocket breaks down like you said and he's kind of at the same level he was last year so when everyone else is not performing as well as they were last year and the quarterback who you hope can pick up for some of that isn't picking up for some of that that's what you get so I think more than anything, looking at them over the rest of the year, it's going to have to be those other guys. It's going to have to be the running back. It's going to have to be the line. But they're all, and sorry, that, no. they're going to have to make that difference because I don't think Lamar is going to all of a sudden become Mahomes in the middle of the season. You can't expect him to do that. You're asking a lot from your offensive line. You're asking a lot from your offensive line. Game in, game out, play in, play out to make that happen for these running backs. Because last year it was the offensive line. The running backs were good, like Gus Edwards, like uh, Mark Ingram. They're good. But a lot of that came off having the best, if not the second best, offensive line last year. And with, I don't I don't know the, the, guy, the guy's name who got hurt for the Ravens. What's his name, the offensive line? Yonda. Well, he retired, actually, after last year, I believe. See, yeah, like, all I knew, I didn't know, I don't know that many offensive linemen in the league, but I did know that they had one of the best offensive line. Like, they just commanded space. They commanded um, the line. Like, no one was getting through them. And the running backs could run all over other people. Because of them, they don't have the most talented running backs. They don't have a Saquon, Ezekiel, Derrick Henry. They don't have those players back there, but their offensive line gave those guys those yards. So they're just getting older. Another year passed. Kind of the same same old same So, old. so you're shutting the door on the Ravens? Yeah, like honestly in the AFC, I'd have obviously the Chiefs. I'd have the Steelers. Um, let's see if the Titans can the do Dolphins? anything. The Bills. The Dolphins are looking amazing. We'll, we'll, we'll get we to can, that. We'll just yeah. segue right into it now because... The Cardinals and the Dolphins played last week, and what a battle that one was. And the the stars of the show run were the two young quarterbacks on either side, Kyler Murray for Arizona and Tua Tungavailoa for Miami. So looking at those two guys, Ryan, and looking at their matchup from last week, which one of them would you say has the brighter future in the NFL? Kyler Murray, for sure, because I think for longevity, I would take two, but I'm saying for the next five years, I think Kyler Murray is the quarterback you want to have 100% easily, as I like to say. I think easily it's Kyler Murray. He's one of the most, he is the most dynamic quarterback outside of Lamar Jackson. Plus, he can actually throw the ball down the field. Great decision making. Well, can and actually? That's an interesting Lamar word choice, huh? Yeah, Lamar can't. Right. Not, not as accurately as Kyler can. I'll put it like that. Lamar can toss it down the field, but not as accurately. I think 
Calamari is a brighter future in a tougher division. But I think Tua is winning on the coaching coaching side right now. So I think Kyler Murray is the brighter future as the individual player. Joey, what do you think? I think it might be Tua because of the, the situation he's in. I think the Bills are yeah. really good, and I think they, I think it's going to be Bills-Dolphins for the AFC East for a long time. And I think the Pats, we all know that they've got the picks this offseason, and they've got a whole lot of money to spend, but there are some serious holes on that roster. And if barely beating the Jets and – with as time expires and expose that for you, then I don't know it will. So mm-hmm. I think that the Bills and the Dolphins have a leg up on the rest of the AFC East right now. We won't even get into the Jets. So I think the the situation that two is in, the fact that he comes into a team that's three and three, then wins his first two games, says that he's ready for it right now as well to be competitive and to at least lead the offense. We all know he's not doing it by himself, at least in that first game in particular. He got a lot of help from the running game and from the defense, forcing turnovers left and right. So I, I think Kyler is more talented at this point and definitely more dynamic, like you said. He's going to be on more highlight reels for now. But I think if you're asking me over the next five years who has the better chance to win a Super Bowl, it's Tua by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, because situation-wise, you're totally And the Cardinals right. aren't even a bad situation, don't get me wrong. I yeah, like Kingsbury and bringing in Hopkins, but I still think... Dolphins just have a better situation. And they're more well-rounded. I think the, the yeah, Cardinals... Better defense. The much Cardinals better just defense. have so many holes still, and you've got some really good players at different spots, but Patrick Peterson getting older, Chandler Jones getting older, so you're going to have to replace those older. two guys. Well, yeah, Fitzgerald's been getting older know, for the like, last eight years. Retire, so no, so. yeah, no, I, absolutely. <laughs> so I think looking at what they're going to be going forward, I don't quite know. I think the Dolphins already... And it's a term we hear tossed around in sports all the time. But the culture that they have set in those first two years, and looking back at last year, one of the worst rosters ever assembled on, for an NFL at, team. At, at at the beginning of the season, we thought that. Well, no, even on paper, at the end is what I'm saying. But right. they go 4-12, and 12, right. which is and like last, a miracle. And most of their losses in the last eight I think they games. finished off 4-4, four and four, I believe. Right, yeah. but what I was saying, like the last like 10 games, their losses were like, by touching our two, they were getting blown out those first three games. Knocked the like, Patriots out of a first round bye. Probably exactly. are the reason why the Patriots didn't go on any kind of playoff run last year because exactly. he had to host the Chiefs in the wild card round. So, yeah, they they were super competitive last year, and putting Tua in now. I mean, Titans. What did I say? You said Chiefs. Oh, Patriots played the Titans. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Sorry. Yeah. I was just thinking um, about it. But yeah, I think I think Tua, given the situation, I would pick him. Uh, I think Kyler. If you, if you said, who do you want to watch for the next five years? I'd probably go Kyler. And who might win an MVP? I think that might be also Kyler. Kyler. But when I think of brighter future, like already think of a guy like Cam Newton who won an MVP, what, five years ago? Maybe even less than five years ago? And just look at him now. Like six, yeah. And I'm rooting for him, obviously, because he's on the Patriots. But no one cares about an MVP that far down the road. But if you win a Super Bowl and you lead that team to a Super Bowl... People remember that, right? And especially if you do it like Tua has as a top five pick, the leader of the franchise, it's something that would definitely mean more than an MVP, in my opinion. Yeah, but when I thought of brighter future, if if you want to look in as like a whole with the situation, the division, the coaching, and your team, I guess Tua, Super Bowl wise, is a brighter future. But I'm thinking putting up numbers, carrying your team over the top, game after game after game. I'm thinking of Kyler Murray having a brighter future. Because I was talking about him just being a little dynamo, throwing the ball over the top, running through defenses. Like last year, he was great, but no one really talked about him. I think he's finally getting the recognition recognition he deserves because he has um one, probably the best wide receiver in the game right now, DeAndre Hopkins with him. So I don't know. I think Kyler's a, they're obviously both great players. I think you can do more with Kyler. Too. I don't know who does who is to to remind you of Drew Brees. Yeah, he's like the he's like a smaller version of Drew Brees. And like, what did Drew Brees really do? No, what? Uh, how many Super Bowls does he have? One. Two. Two getting one Super Bowl. I can see. I Who, okay, who's who's Kyler's comp? Who would you? Uh, like like a better version of L- Lamar Jackson, but it's different because NFL is different now than how it's ever ever been. Oh yeah, than it's ever been. No, I he's agree. like a he's like a people like to compare Lamar to Michael Vick. Uh, Kyler to Michael Vick is kind of a stretch, though. Kyler's like, what, 5'10", and he's doing this stuff? The best one for Kyler, in my opinion, is Russell. Russell Wilson, yeah. But he's way more athletic than Russell. Russell is Russell's shifty athletic. in his running, but he's not 
a freak athlete the way Vic and Lamar were. I think Kyler is, is kind of a cross between Russell and Vic, which is very lofty, I know, but just talent-wise, it's the only way I can really describe it. He has Vic's yeah. speed with Russell's like throwing ability. Right. Maybe even a stronger arm than Russ. Probably not quite as accurate, but yeah. I think that's the closest thing. So just I, the thing that separates Russell Wilson right now from Kyler Murray is just experience and staying healthy. Because hopefully Kyler Murray can stay healthy. Well, that's also, always the fear with these running quarterbacks. It goes along with experience, but I think it's just knowing when to make the crazy play and knowing when to just maybe throw it away throw it or away. take the check down, whatever it may be. And I think Kyler definitely loves making the crazy plays. And we all know he's a freak athlete. He could have Bobby. Played baseball as well, so I'm not doubting for him. For the A's. Yeah, for <laughs> for the A's minor league team for a few years. But, yeah, I'm not doubting his, his athleticism or his ability, but it's, like you said, I think Russ definitely made some plays like that early on in his career that he probably wouldn't make now, whether that's due to age and loss of athleticism or probably more so just smartening up and realizing, hey, I want to play this game for a long time. I if I keep running around like this, then it's not going to be great for me. I haven't seen him making those boneheaded decisions though like i don't see him getting lit up well i think you don't see kyler murray getting lit up he gets out of bounds so well and he does that much incredible thing he does that much better than lamar jackson he's a better than like you see josh allen and obviously they're not the athletes that allen can take a hit though yeah but i was gonna say josh allen like carson wentz like those guys run down the field because they're big they're athletic in their own right not like kyler and lamar but they're athletic in their own right for quarterbacks and you see josh allen carson wentz and even lamar jackson sometimes get hit or sliding in in inbounds i don't see i don't think i've ever seen kyler murray get like hit hit he's either sliding or he's running out of bounds because that guy's quick quicker than almost any quarterback we've ever seen ever he's ridiculous i agree i i i don't i didn't want him to go to the nfl i did not want him to go to the nfl but you're selfish is what yeah i'm selfish i'm a selfish ace fan it's fine i i just two two looked good last game though that was probably one of the more exciting games high scoring back and forth mistakes here and there but the Dolphins pulled it out do you think the Dolphins made a right decision by putting in Tua and taking out Fitzmagic yeah I, th- I right think now do you think it is we yeah. talked about this a couple weeks ago but and I think it was the right decision it was just very difficult to comprehend because of we I think I think the way we broke it down was probably the right way that it was you're heading into your bye week and you probably said coming into the year hey week seven we're, we're going to start prepping Tua to start and I don't think that's the worst move in the world, especially when you're looking at maybe a historic quarterback class coming out next year where you have the Texans pick, which could be a top-five pick. I think you have to know what you have in Tua, and giving him a proper shot is probably the right move. So to give him the bye week to prepare and then send him out there, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, but I didn't show a lot of faith in Tua from what they've been seeing in practice. I think they wanted to see him in-game, seeing what he can do, because probably at practice he throws these beautiful throws with... No one actually running at him, wanting to kill him. But then they wanted to give him the in-game experience to see what this kid actually had to do. So I think it was kind of not an indictment on Tua, per se, but I think it was... Um, it was a we, test. That's what yeah, but it, was, but it was a test, but they were going into it having no clue if this kid was like actually good or if he was just a pretty thrower. They wanted to know if this kid can do something under pressure. So I think... And I think you showed he's, up, he's, Yeah, he's, so. now he's stepping up to the challenge. Who, who are they playing this weekend? Let me, let me look real quick. Let's have a... Dolphins are playing the Chargers. That'll be a good game for them because the Chargers keep blowing leads. A couple of rookie quarterbacks, and we haven't talked about Herbert too, too much, but obviously he's got all the talent in the world as well. Right. So, yeah. It's, That'd it's, be a good test for Tua to go out there. and that's Another, another, another duel, hopefully. Yeah, two rookie quarterbacks hopefully putting up a lot of points. Yeah, that'll be a good game this weekend. Dolphins-Chargers. Yeah, and now we'll, we'll move to another team down in Florida, and that's the Tampa NFC. Bay Buccaneers. They got absolutely killed by the Saints on, what was that, Sunday night? Some night game. And it is definitely a concern as the Bucks were on the upswing and now get killed by the division rival. So, Ryan, looking at the Bucks, we were very much all on their hype train the past couple of weeks, but now should we be worried about where they're at? I think we definitely should be worried about the Buccaneers and where they're at right now, because who they play the week before? I'm blanking on it. Who they play the week before? Buccaneers. They, well, anyways, the last two weeks they've looked awful. They were supposed to lose the week before, and they lost the Saints the oh, first. Oh, Giants. The game. Oh yeah, the Giants. The Monday Night Football game. Anyways, sorry, that was just a, another thing. They looked terrible against the Giants. You'd think they'd come bounce back against the division rivals, the Saints, and 
at least put up a fight. That was just embarrassing from the first play on. Also, they lost the Saints the first week of the year. You'd think the Buccaneers would come back with a vengeance. Adding in, was it Antonio Brown, Tom Brady trying to incorporate too much, or was it a coaching mismatch, which I honestly think it was more that than anything. So, I don't know. I think the Buccaneers need to look at themselves in the mirror and come out this weekend, just put the hammer on the Panthers, remind themselves that we are one of the best teams in the NFC, and the Saints right now should be pretty happy and looking at their future like, okay, I think we can actually do something in the NFC because Saints were having some questions about themselves. But I think the Buccaneers need to start worrying and start worrying now. The only thing I'm worried about with the Bucks is the defense because that's what I was worried about coming into the year, and they were forcing, forcing turnovers all over the place uh, over the beginning part of the season up until this point. And the offense was very good as well, but we all know with Tom Brady-led teams, there's duds once in a while offensively, especially when you're working in a guy like Antonio Brown. And three points is, I think, the lowest in his whole career, or as close to it, or some something crazy like that. But still, offensively, I'm not panicking at all with the Bucks when you're working in a guy like Antonio Brown. And I know he didn't have the biggest workload in the world, but that's definitely what was at least on everyone's mind at practice that week going into the game. How is he going to factor in? And is he going to take my touches? What's it going to be? What's it going to look like out there? So offensively, I'm not really worried that much at all. Defensively is where I'm worried because, like I said, that was the concern, and they've been now exposed by the Saints twice. And that is a team that you probably are going to have to end up going through down the road. NFC's got a few good teams, but the Saints are definitely on a roll now, and they struggled to begin the year, sure, but now they look like they're right there with anyone in the NFC. But, Joey, why do you think they're struggling against the Saints? Like, why do you think it's the Saints? Is I mean, obviously they're going to only play twice this year unless they see each other in the playoffs. Why do the Saints seem to have their card? Well, the first game I think is being overplayed now after this game because week one... I can't remember what the final score was, but it was not a blowout by any stretch. Right, they, they were, only lost by 11. Yeah, they're in the game for the most part there, and they lost, sure, but that one's also in New Orleans, I believe. So, in it's week one, it's Brady's first game in Tampa Bay, so that one really is kind of a wash to me. This one is the one that I would be worried about, and like I said, though, it's only from the defensive side of the ball. So, well, I don't know what you really make of this. It's obviously not great. You don't want to lose by 35 to a division rival after you lost to them in week one. But I don't think that this is... It's it's week, what, week nine last week? And, and now we're just writing off the Bucks right after they come off of two huge wins over the Packers. And then who's after that? The Raiders. The Raiders, who they killed back-to-back weeks. And then the Giants game, not great, obviously. And then you get killed by the Saints, and now it's, oh, no, we were, we were way too early in the Bucks. Joey, but it's not... I don't think this is the defense's fault. Tom Brady's throwing three interceptions. The defense didn't even get him. They gave up 31 in the first half. It was, yeah, it was but what, four but why, or five but, possessions. But why, were they giving, but why were they doing that? Because they're gassed. They were going, the Buccaneers were going. Sure, but you still have to get out, a stop. Out. You still have to get a stop at some point. I understand point. at some point you got to get a stop. But when you get the, but you do get the ball back at some point. And then once you get the ball back, you probably should get four, uh, first down, another first down. Let your defense have a breather on the sideline. Yeah, the defense is obviously an issue, but I think the defense being the issue in this game is a little bit being a little bit more overplayed by you than it should be because I think a lot of it has to do with the offense was getting anything going. I kind of want to transition to why, in another bigger picture, why I think the Buccaneers should be worried is I think they were at a huge coaching disadvantage this week. Like, I think... Um, I'm blanking on his name now. What's the Buccaneers coach's name? Bruce Arians. Yeah, Bruce Arians. I think Bruce Arians came in kind of not unprepared because these coaches are way more prepared than we'll ever be, but I think he's at a coaching disadvantage with the Saints and with a lot of other coaches in the NFC when they see him in the playoffs. I don't no one really sees sees him as like a everyone sees as sees him as like an offensive coach and this and that, but I don't think anyone really sees him as one of the best coaches in the NFL, not even the NFC. So I think that's something I would worry about at least. I think they've got a great staff there. I think Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, and I think he's a huge reason why the defense has been as good as it has been up until this point. And playing classic Todd Bowles football, as they always say on the broadcast, just hounding and harassing and forcing turnovers all the time, like we said. So I'm not worried about the coaching. I see what you're saying. It's not like Bruce Arians is Bill Belichick, who Tom Brady obviously had for all those years. 
but he's he's I think the right coach for that team, a guy to bring guys together and a guy to hold guys accountable because as we said coming into this year, it was the concern. You have all these different personalities coming together. How is that gonna mesh? And I think Arians is the guy for that. And I think offensive coordinator, you got Byron Leftwich who not a ton of experience, but him and Brady seem to get along great. Mm-hmm. And Brady is probably as capable of as any player in the league to be his own offensive coordinator. So I think that that collaboration gets itself done as well. So I, I don't have a concern really there. It's it's really, to me, like I said, a bad game. It's the middle of the year. You still haven't had your bye week yet as the Bucks. So yeah. And that's atypical for Brady, I know, that's at least. The, the Patriots, for whatever reason, seem to always have early buys at least the past few years. So for Brady to still ha- not have his buy in, it's a couple of weeks until he even gets it. So Three games until they're buying. Yeah, I, I think it's not going to be a pretty regular season for them, or at least a, a consistent regular season for them. That's what I, at least I said from the very beginning, that we're going to see flashes of it. But then when it comes down to playoff time, I have them still as the number one team in the NFC. Yeah, uh, I, I think what I've seen the last two weeks – I, and this is not an indictment on Tom Brady or the players around him. I think just having Sean Payton come in and just kind of boss the Saints and into beating the Buccaneers, I, that's what I took out most. I And I took out trying to uh, incorporate Antonio Brown. Those are the two biggest takeaways for me in this game. I just don't think the Buccaneers, I've never really been sold on them in the first place. So, I don't know. They didn't look great against the Giants. The defense did their job then. And I think this is kind of worrisome just purely because it's the Saints. Because that's a, that's a real NFC team that's going to be in the playoffs most likely. So they need to come out this week against the Panthers. They're probably tired. They have three games until their bye week. So, And those aren't easy games. It's Panthers, decent, bad team. Rams, decent team. And they have the Chiefs right before your bye week. So I don't know. I think Panthers need to win. I mean, Panthers. The Buccaneers need to win the two out of these next three games, knowing what their loss will probably come in. I just think they need to get to the playoffs, really. And Do I you think, think if they come in as a wild card, that's okay. I think they need to yeah. win the division to have like a chance. Who, in the playoffs. if you're, let's look at the playoffs now. If you're the Rams and you're hosting a, a wild card game, do you want the Bucks coming into your stadium? You do not. You don't. You want the who else is in that mix? You want the Cardinals coming in. Would you rather face the Cardinals or the Bucs? The Rams Bucks? are going to win the division. Hold okay, well. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. A division winner. Let's, the Eagles. Let's say it's the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. But you I want think the Buccaneers Bucks? are very. No. But we talked about this the first week, is that the Buccaneers are like a very put-together team, and you never know what's going to happen as soon as playoffs come around. I No, I, because a lot of these guys. I've said. I've said regular season, you never know what's going to happen. I said playoff time, I think I know exactly what's going to happen. I would happen. be more worried about the playoffs. These This seems so put together, like. Beginning of the year, it's like, oh, all of a sudden Gronkowski's coming out of retirement. Oh, Jags cut Leonard Fournette. Now Leonard Fournette's on the team. Like, but are we? Are that's we that's use the Leonard opposite. Fournette? That's the opposite of put together for me. That's a bunch of moving pieces. Leonard Fournette comes in. When I say put together, season starts. When I say put together, I'm not saying it's on like paper. A, Is that what you mean? When I say put together, I just mean like cohesion. Kind of like I understand it's one season, but I think there's something to be said about guys being on the same team for two years, three years, four years, having the same coach. Because these guys, like these are what. What were you we saying? Like nine games in? Yeah, it's they're six and three. Nine games in, and it just still seems kind of like everyone's kind of figuring everyone out. Obviously, Antonio Brown being thrown in there, who they didn't need in the first place, is throwing another wrench in the mix. But I don't know. We we that, we can move on from football. Well, I just I think the Buccaneers are kind of a. No, well, they look bad the last two weeks. But the reason the, everything you done. just said is exactly why I'm not worried about them because they're still figuring each other out. And it's not getting any easier when you add Antonio Brown in there, and they still have a half season to go. And if we want to contrast it with what we said about the Ravens 20 minutes ago, I think the Bucks are way more built to be a team halfway through the season to find their identity, or maybe even once the playoffs roll around. I think that they're capable of doing that because you have the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, and you have Gronk there who's done it with them. So you have a guy in the locker room just saying, listen to this guy. I have three rings because of what he did and what he told me, and I believed in him. And, they, and looking at the rest of that locker room, that's what they need. They need just that reassurance that, hey, sure, we barely beat the Giants. Not great. We just got killed by the Saints. Not great. But stay the course because we know what this guy can do, and he's 43, but he's still Tom Brady. And that's what you have to buy into. You, and I totally agree with you. I'm just hesitant about all these guys saying, oh, so this guy's just going to show up and start bossing us around. He's the GOAT, and we get it, and you just said all that. But 
these guys, I don't know, they're NFL players. They all think everyone thinks they know what they're doing until they don't. And I think Tom Brady's telling everyone what to do. I some people are probably gonna be bothered by that. Last thing on Buccaneers, I think I talked about the three games before they have their bye week. I think those last four games they have a very easy schedule. And I think that's gonna show like if they just boss it's the Vikings, Falcons twice, and Lions. So if they win those four games pretty easily, I think the Buccaneers one win the division. And then two, I think they have a lot of chemistry and good vibes going to the playoffs, which could be very good for them. If they start struggling those last few weeks, we can talk about it later, but I think that's when you really start to worry. It's all about the vibes. It's all about the vibes. If they don't have good vibes, you're you're down in Florida. You gotta have good vibes. You gotta get the vibes back. You gotta gotta have it back. That'll do it for the hangover. Those are NBA and NFL thoughts recently. And now we'll move into the forecast. And Ryan, as we mentioned at the top, MLB free agency about to get underway. So we'll look at four of the top free agents here today and make some predictions as to where they might end up. So we'll start it off with George Springer of the Houston Astros. And he is a free agent for the first time in his career. Ryan, where do you think he ends up? Well, Joey, um, looking at this subject earlier today, I was looking at all the baseball players we're going to talk about. And when I was looking at all the potential landing spots for them, I was reading through, and I think it's funny that for George Springer, the number one that came up for most of the uh, websites I clicked was the Boston Red Sox. I don't know how you feel about it, but they got a lot of cap space. Alex Cora comes back to the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox would be a good pickup for them. I don't know. I'll let you talk more about George Springer because I think the Boston Red Sox or the Houston Astros, but it'd be fun for him to get out of the uh, out of Houston. Yeah, the link everyone makes is for him to the Red Sox, and I just don't know. Looking at Heim Bloom coming from the Rays, and looking at what at least similar markets have done in situations like this, where you're rebuilding. Sure, you're a huge market franchise, and you could spend a lot of money on a free agent if you wanted to. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do. Maybe you take it a little slower and rebuild for a couple more years. So I don't really know what what the plan is. I don't think anyone does outside of that building right now. But if the plan is to reload, and I don't think it's the worst idea, I think if you have Sale coming back at full strength, if Eduardo Rodriguez is back at full strength, I think the pitching, you could definitely use another pitcher or two maybe, but still at least it's not as atrocious as it was this past year. And then throwing a guy like Springer into the mix makes the lineup a little bit better. I think you're you're probably fighting for a playoff spot if you put Springer on that team, but is that how they want to handle it is the question, and also how much money does Springer want? Because he's a right. good player. But he's definitely not like a franchise-changing player. There's not a whole lot of franchise-changing players available in this free agency period. You look at the stats, and he's he is one of the best postseason hitters ever for them in the MLB. And I think you got to get there, though. That was what I was gonna say. Like you mentioned, you guys are in a hard division, as you can see. Rays getting the World Series. You obviously have the Yankees, who are gonna throw every penny at every player ever in the post in the off season. So. You guys getting to the playoffs is very important, and I think George Springer will obviously come out and do his thing. But are you going to see that over a full season is the question. Is he worth all that money that he's probably going to be asking for? I hope he gets out of the Astros. I just don't want him to go back there. So another I, would team, love to, I would love him to go to Boston. Another team that I'll just throw out for the sake of having another team, because I think, as we both kind of came to, I think, sure, the Red Sox are a natural fit, but is it really going to happen? Who knows, because uh, we have no clue what they're doing. But I think the Mets are a, a pretty logical fit because you could always ownership. use an outfielder there. New ownership, looking to make a splash. And the other guys that we're going to get to, you're probably not in the running for for a variety of reasons. So if you could get Springer, he's a big name. Like we said, maybe a slightly bigger name than he actually is on the field. But still, if you could get him, that causes excitement, and maybe you get the fans back on board with that. So I think Springer to the Mets is a possibility if it's not the Red Sox or not back would to the Red Sox. Would Red Sox fans, you're the Red Sox voice, are the Red Sox fans happy if you guys signed George Springer at a decent price? I would be pretty confused, personally. I don't know if that's the consensus, but I would just say, okay, so now what Now what are we? Are we really now all of a sudden a, a World Series contender again? Do you have any or, players coming up? Uh, yeah, some decent ones, but you got no one who's coming in who's going to be the, the face of the franchise right now. So it's, yeah. it's just like, okay, so now what are we? Are we a... 85-win team, is that really what we're shooting for? Or should we maybe take a bit more of a slow approach? I don't know. I, I think it'd be cool. And like you said, definitely the, the biggest factor would be for the right price because we're still digging out of multiple bad contracts. So I, I'd be intrigued, but I would definitely have a lot of questions as well. But now moving, staying in the AL East, we'll talk about DJ LeMahieu, mm-hmm. the infielder from the Yankees. Ryan, 
in my opinion, I think he's back to the Yankees. I think they're not letting him leave. I think he has really revitalized his career there. I think that he'd probably, I don't want to say take a hometown discount, but I don't think that he's going to get a mega deal from anyone else, given the fact that he's only had a couple of really, really, really productive years. So I think he stays in New York for uh, maybe a somewhat more modest contract than he could get out on the open market. What do you think? His career was on the line, and he came out and was one of the most valuable players for the Yankees last year, and I think... Maybe the most, honestly. Yeah. Past couple of years, he's been a that huge was, piece. Yeah, and he, he's definitely maybe he's finally hit a stride and matured in the baseball player that he is. But I think the Yankees would be kind of silly to let him go unless he's asking for way too much money. Which then you have to let him go, especially in these weird economic times, because the Yankees aren't gonna throw the kitchen sink at him because he's getting like an older player and he's not the face of your franchise. And a lot of people don't exactly know who he is, except if you're a diehard baseball or Yankees fan. So I think that. He's in a... I mean, no. I mean, not a, You think I'm wrong? You, you're making a face. All right, whatever. So, I don't know. We're going to... Two years... I saw a two years $24 million before this season that got turned down. So, I don't know. We're going to move on from that. Yeah, LeMayhew, definitely one of the top free agents out there. And now we'll go to the NL East. And it's JT Real Muto, the catcher for <laughs> yep. the Phillies. And, Ryan, what do, you, what do you think about Real Muto? One of the best catchers to hit the open market in a long time. What do you think goes on with him? I, I think he goes to the Yankees. Whoa. Yeah, I think I... I, I what do they do with Sanchez? He, Shop him? I mean, who's better? Oh, I mean, Real Muto's exactly, better. Exactly, but. and I think the Yankees have the most money. We, I was just talking about they probably don't want to throw the kitchen sink at um, someone like DJ, but I think you're going to throw the money at so JT. So you get DJ and JT? I don't think... D, I think you're right about the... I think <laughs> no, you have I'm, DJ and JT. That's, that's crazy. And I think that... um. I think, sorry, I'm forgetting, DJ. And you got J.A. Happ, too. <laughs> okay. I think DJ is taking that hometown um, discount like you're talking about for revitalizing his career there. So, I don't know. I think you have a lot of money you can throw it. JT is the best catcher on the market, one of the best catchers ever been on the market. So, I think you got to bring him in. I think a lot of these top boards, top players, always get a look at the Yankees because they have the most money. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I would not be surprised at all to see him in, in New York. I think the Phillies have to offer him – one dollar more than whatever else anyone offers him, and then just hope that he stays. So I, I think it's going to be the Phillies because you, you can't trade for a guy, and then I think I think it was two years there, but obviously this past year was a very strange year given that it was only 60 games and all that. So I think for the Phillies, you just invested in this guy, giving up assets to acquire him. At this point, you have to try to keep him around. Whereas I think if you're the Yankees and you get LeMayhew, for a reasonable contract, you help him get his career back on track, and then he leaves. That's not a huge gut punch to your organization. It sucks because you'd like to have him around because he's a great player, yeah. but you never really banked your future on him. The Phillies have banked a lot on Real Muto to be a building block on that team, so I think that they have to do everything they can to keep him, and I think it will prevail in the end. They're playing a lot of players right now, though, and I don't I don't know how much money goes in the Phillies or how much money is in and out I think out of it there. can be a lot. I think they're but one of those... If they get into that... like a bidding war with any of these other bigger franchises like let's say the Yankees like what if what, like the teams know that the Phillies probably want to keep him and most definitely want to but let's say like the Yankees or Angels throw a bunch of money at him you know what I mean it's like are we gonna match this give him more I don't know I think you have to I think that it's a it's a terrible move to get him and then let him go rather right. than I think if you overpay for him maybe five years from now we look back on it when you're still paying him and Harper and a lot of other guys a whole lot of money and Maybe you don't love it at that point, but I think at this moment right now, it's what you have to do. And we'll move now to the last free agent that we're talking about today, coming off of a Cy Young Award last night, yep. and it's Trevor Bauer. Ryan, where do you think Bauer signs this offseason? I think he goes to the Los Angeles Angels. That's where I'd like to see him go. I think the Angels need to take full advantage of Mike Trout and his prime for however long it lasts. So Angels, they finally need to build something around him. Get some pitchers in there. Yeah, and I think it makes perfect sense, too, given everything Bauer has said about the wanting to take short-term deals rather than sign one long extension. I think the Angels, it's not like you bring Bauer in in your World Series champs next year. I think you could still use a little bit more around the edges, but I think with Trout and Rendon in there, who they obviously got last offseason, you've got the core of a, of a World Series lineup. You just need that ace at the top of your rotation. And I think that they would be in the mix for a World Series title next year if you add Bauer and add 
maybe a couple other complimentary pieces like we said. But MLB Free Agency will keep you updated with any big signings and how it impacts the landscape of the league. And with that, Ryan, we'll move into a new segment, the last segment of the day. Dun, 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 dun. And we obviously usually end it off with top five or a countdown of some sort. And we'll still be doing that probably most of the time but throwing another one into the mix now just so we can have a little bit more variety on the show. Maybe you don't know what you're getting every time that you step in here. So what this one is called, it's In Your Dreams. And jo- Joey, do you, do you want to explain why? Yeah, I, I, was, I, I, was I want to hear this backstory. I was going to. So I thought of it, and I can't explain my thought process some of the time, but, but just follow me here. So I, I woke up this morning. I had to get up at 6 a.m. actually to get into work. I was working the IT help desk for registration. So I wake up at 6 a.m. And you know when you wake up and you, you're just in the middle of a crazy dream, but you have no clue what it was for the first 10 to 15 minutes of that day. And it's all you can think about. So I'm getting dressed. I'm getting ready. I got a Panero breakfast waiting for me. But all <laughs> I can think about is what the hell was that dream? Because it was such an awesome dream. And it finally hit me. And the dream was that I was in the NBA. And <laughs> my rival in the NBA, who we not, and I don't mean like rival, like, LeBron and Steph Curry, like they're you know they're up against each other every year. I mean, like no, I hated this guy. It was Demonis Sabonis. Demonis Sabonis was my rival. I'm blocking his shots. He's blocking mine. It was it was absolutely electric rivalry. The whole league was talking about it, and it was a crazy dream. And I got interrupted rudely by my alarm, so I could get into work. But then somehow it led me to the segment in your dreams. So how this works is one of us will say something to the other that in your dreams this will occur. And basically roasts the other person for an opinion that they have or that the other one thinks they might have. So how we're doing it today, Ryan knows what I'm saying for him. I don't know what he's going to say for me. So Ryan wants to go first. So Ryan, if you want to say what's going to happen, what's not going to happen that happens in my dreams, you can go for it. I'm and, saying, and, and leave leave out in the oh, NBA against Sabonis. Okay, yeah, well, because we I think waking, we I think we know that's not waking up this morning and hearing this story is one of the most interesting times. Joey, Joey and I go through a lot. But hearing this, and then him going, well, I, I have a new idea for the show tonight. And linking it with his dream, probably one of the most ridiculous things I've ever woken up to. But I'm not complaining. And that's, I'm not going to tell a story every time. No. Just, it's just going to be in your dreams. You guys, gotta, you, you guys just got to know when you come back. Um, so my in your dreams, because I know how... So you got to say, Joey, in your dreams, and then say whatever it is. Joey, um, in your dreams... How am I going to say this? Joey, in your dreams, <laughs> you... Get a call from Bill Belichick two hours before a game saying, hey, I need I need someone on the sideline with me, help calling audibles and help calling plays for Cam Newton. Can you do this for me? That's in your dreams. You would do anything for that man, hey, anything I'll- for the Pats, because you're the most massful man I've ever met in my life. All I know five. is I know the, the Patriots Madden playbook inside and out. That's what I'm saying. You love Madden, and I know you would be there going... I know you would do your Give me job, which, spot. which would makes me upset because I know you would ex- you would know exactly what to call. That's why it's in your dreams because I know you've planned for this moment. I want HB quick base to the right side every That's time. That's ridiculous. I don't uh, know how many other people could even say anything that you just said and know what they're talking about. The thing is, like I, I don't know if that's like a crazy dream. Now nah, I, mean, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, even, I can't even get through that with a straight face, but. I mean, yeah, that that would be a a great dream. That'd be a great reality, to be honest with you. But yeah, probably probably remaining a dream. Um, I don't know. I think I think you can go along those lines a few more times, honestly, in this segment. I think there's a few other. I, I was going to spill the beans on some similar ones, but I'll let you get to them over the next few weeks if you'd like. I have a few. I have a few in store. I, yeah. I'll, I might say one after you give yours. No, 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 no. We we we'll run out of time. I got to save them for another day. And maybe you can let me know next time if you want, or maybe I don't let you know. I don't know, but. Now we'll just get out of the way because, as we mentioned, you already know mine. But, Ryan, in your dreams, is Russell Westbrook ever going to win an NBA championship? That's the only thing I've been dreaming about the last, since 2012, when Russell Westbrook lost to LeBron James in the NBA Finals against the Miami Heat. And ever since Kevin Durant left more than ever, I've been extremely upset with all the Russell Westbrook slander that's been thrown his way. Let me say, saying it now, I don't even mean it that much as slander. I know. As much as just looking at it realistically. And as we went over the teams earlier, who is likely to end up on next year, maybe he stays in Houston. I don't think that's a realistic spot to win a championship. 
but it's probably the best out of the ones that we said, whether it's Detroit, New York, or Charlotte as the three most likely spots that he would end up. I don't think he's winning a title in any of those. I think the only way he does is maybe he's 35, 36, whenever he's off that deal, and a championship contender wants him to come in and probably be a spark plug off the bench at that point, but who knows what he has left athletically. So I'm, I'm not saying you're throwing any slander, but... I've heard a lot of slander back home because I've noticed a lot of Warriors fans, for some reason, hate Russell Westbrook. I think that's the biggest hatred of Russell Must Westbrook. Must be insecurity. No, because I, th- yeah, I think Kevin Durant went there and everyone did everything they can to make Ru- Kevin Durant, his like little self, his little snaky self, feel comfortable and secure in Oakland. And I think that they all did what they could do best, was, which was make fun of Russell Westbrook. An MVP. A dog. A dog. One of the best players <laughs> in the NBA. One Still? of the best players in NBA history. Where, where is he right now? Guards. Gut, gut reaction. Top 15, maybe. Maybe the fifth. I would say I was going to say top 20, so I, I'm, I, I don't think, hate I top think, 15. But when I say it's 15, I think he's on the 14, 15 mark. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, sounds about right. Which we could argue about here and yeah. there. Maybe maybe next maybe next episode we'll minutes. do top 20 NBA <laughs> players. The whole show. The whole show. <laughs> do top 25 NBA players. And you have, to, you have to significantly justify each pick. It's with, not just like you say one and it's like, With like a minute explanation. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, probably not. Probably not. With a commercial break in between. Ten-minute commercial break? Is that... I mean, I'm kind of actually liking it a little bit more now we're talking about, but it's probably not going to happen. But yeah, like I said, I think it's just a numbers game at this point, and looking at Russ and the amount of money he's making, and again, the the type of player he is, he's not a guy that you can just plug into a a ready-made championship team. You kind of need to build around him, and I think that window has passed where you can really build around him as the best guy for a championship team. I right. think it was there. A lot of people think you could have never won a championship with Westbrook as your best guy. I think you could have. You could have. I think it not just would have taken a lot. Um, but now I think, like like you said, I think he's not as at his athletic peak anymore. He hasn't progressed as a shooter. And it's just kind of like he's not he's not the player he was. You can build around him now, but not for a championship team. Like, yeah, if he for, goes, like for we a said. Seed. <laughs> exactly. If you go to the Hornets and you build around him, he's going to be a... He's definitely... I'm not going to say definitely, but for the most part, he's probably going to make the playoffs in the East. Well, if you think about, you know, the Magic made the playoffs a year ago, and you're building around Nikola Vucevic, who you're not really building around because you drafted Mo Bamba to probably take a spot a couple of years ago, and Vucevic just ended up being a little bit better than you expected, and now you got to stick with him because he's an all-star now. Right. So I, I think, yeah, in the East, Westbrook can definitely be the best player on your team and get you to the playoffs. And again, that's the East is better than it has been in a long time. Don't get me wrong. We said that earlier, but still the bottom... Of it, the, those you know maybe six, seven, eight, or no, just seven, eight seeds this past year because Sixers were the number six seed, and obviously if they were at full strength and maybe a little more cohesive that year, they definitely should have been better than that given all the skill on the team. Mm. So I think yeah, seven and eight in the East are definitely up for grabs probably over the next couple of years, and I think that the the Hornets, the Knicks, or even maybe the Pistons, if you can make a few smart moves around them. I think all three of those teams could definitely sneak into the playoffs if you add Westbrook and, and start building around them. Do you think the Rockets say no, we're not trading you? Like, let's say they don't no. get an offer. Let's say they don't get an You think they'll just come down to an offer just to get them off? Okay. I, think I so. totally agree. I was just wondering if you think that there's any way. I think they should, definitely. I agree. But um, what if what if these teams are low-balling them because they know Russ's value? I, we've already talked about this, but let's say Russ's value, which has obviously gone down, his trade stock. I think the Pistons would do Blake Griffin for Westbrook straight up right now. And both I think their, the, both their contracts are ridiculous. Russ is a little bit. Uh, more, I think but. I think the Rockets would probably say, "Hey, give us a little bit more." But if the Pistons said, "Nope, it's Griffin for Westbrook straight up," and the Rockets are sitting there, Griffin and D Rose for Russ. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I don't sorry. know. But the, if the Pistons are, I'm sorry. If the Rockets are two weeks away from the season starting, and they're they're debating this, and you have that offer just sitting there. I think you take it at some point. So I think that that one's on the table. I think the Hornets for sure have Terry Rozier, probably Malik Monk, someone else, or I don't know how you, how you round Bridges. it out, but I, I think maybe, Guys, I, I don't know, I don't know. But I think, I think you have that on the table. I think you're on the phone with the Rockets right now and just say, just let them know, hey, whenever you're ready to give us a call back, this is what we have for you. So uh, I think he's definitely on a different team starting next season. I think they probably were thinking about it, probably considering it, and with Westbrook then coming into the office saying, hey, I want to be out of here too, that should be all the reassurance that they need to, to know that it's the right move. Right. Well, Joey, now that's it for the episode today. Um, tight, Titans and Colts on tonight. Who do you have your pick? Who's winning? 
Thursday night football. I mean, it's already seven three Titans. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie to the people. So I'm gonna go Titans at this point. Yeah. Well, I picked the Titans before the game. Put some money on it. Uh, Joey from six zero three Boston. Peace. Since I felt like this And I've been eating pretty good Like my bell size bit Got the cars in my hand I was dealt right quick I'm a father to the game Guess I'll help my kids And I know it's no common sense But I'm just trying to kick back No problems I just want to chill out Like popsicles So if possible What's poppin' dude And I've been really, really thinking What's your name? And could you pipe down When the hooks start playing? When the shit drops